I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. In today's reading, we'll be looking at Luke chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 2. First of all, a few comments are in order regarding the chronology of these two chapters. Matthew and Luke both cover the birth of Jesus, but from different perspectives. Luke reports on the shepherds, Matthew on the wise men. Luke reports on the circumcision of Jesus, Matthew on Herod's threat, and the family's flight into Egypt. Luke gives us a glimpse of Jesus at 12 years old. Matthew concludes the early childhood account with their return from Egypt. So, as we look at the chronology of these events, here they are. First of all, we find the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 2, the first seven verses. Then the shepherds visit the baby Jesus, that's seen in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Eight-day-old Jesus is taken to the temple in Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 38. And then some time has passed, the wise men seek Jesus. That's where we go over to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 23, which is the entire uh, chapter. And uh, in that chapter, we also see that Joseph and Mary flee from Herod to Egypt. And then finally, we see the childhood of Jesus seen in Luke chapter 2, verses 39 through 52. So as you can see, we need to compare both passages in Luke chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 2 to get the full story. Now, beginning with Luke chapter 2, verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee and out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Nazareth of Galilee was inland from the Mediterranean Sea, about 20 miles in northern Israel. While Bethlehem is south of Nazareth, you'd have to go over some pretty tough terrain to get there that way. It would be necessary to go west, south, and then back east in order to make the trip about 82 miles on foot. I've got a map on the written notes of BibleTrack.org, which shows the common roadways during that period of time. So how many miles a day do you go with an expecting wife? 10, maybe 12 miles? It was a multi-day journey, as you can see. It's not certain why Mary went with him. Of course, it was the providence of God, but we don't know exactly what the human reasoning was there. It may have been the fact that she was in her third trimester, and he just needed to get her into an anonymous environment, since they were not really married, according to verse 5 at the time. People in the hometown would have been well aware of that, but strangers in Bethlehem, well, they wouldn't have known. So what about an end-of-December birth? Christians around the world celebrate the birth of Jesus on December 25th. 
While there's nothing in Scripture to pinpoint the exact date, a December birth is quite unlikely. Actually, there was no annual celebration of Christ's birthday for the first three centuries of church history. It became an issue in the 4th and 5th centuries. The choosing of December the 25th for the celebration is really not based upon historical facts, as one might assume. It was finally declared to be so by the Roman Catholic Church in the 5th century. The Roman Catholic writer Mario Righetti admits, and I quote, to facilitate the acceptance of the faith by the pagan masses, the Church of Rome found it convenient to institute the 25th of December as the feast of the birth of Christ to divert them from the pagan feast celebrated on the same day in honor of the invincible son Mithras, the conqueror of darkness, end quote. That's taken from the Manual of Liturgical History, uh, 1955, Volume 2, page 67. So if you didn't digest that, let me just put it this way. The pagans in Rome already celebrated the sun god on December 25th. To the Roman Catholic Church, it seemed like a good idea to offer an alternative celebration on the same day of the year and call it Christ's birthday. So if not December the 25th, then when was Christ born? Well, that's a good question. First of all, it doesn't seem likely that a Roman census or tax would have been executed in the dead of winter, since most people traveled by foot in those days. It would be more likely that a spring or fall time frame would have been selected. Furthermore, the shepherds were watching their flocks in the field at night rather than having brought them home to shelter for the winter. We see that in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. However, a spring census throughout the Roman Empire would certainly interfere with the harvest season and be harmful to the Roman economy. So, a fall census or taxation is the most likely scenario. Then there's the prophetic aspect of Jesus' birth. Jesus was crucified on the day of the celebration of Passover. Since the exodus from Egypt, the Passover was celebrated on the 14th day of the first month, which falls each year in latter March or April on the Gregorian calendar. The first new moon after spring was regarded as the first month of the new year. The new agricultural year is marked by the Feast of Tabernacles, which falls on the first day of the seventh month on the Jewish calendar. That day is designated as the first new moon that falls six and a half months after the celebration of the Passover, placing it around September-October on the Gregorian calendar. Therefore, many feel that for prophetic purposes, the birth of Jesus would have occurred at the beginning of the Jewish agricultural year. That fact, added to the weather and economic factors already mentioned, makes a September-October birth of Jesus the most likely scenario. After everything has been said on the subject, let's all just take full advantage of the fact that there is an intense focus on Jesus Christ on December the 25th around the world each year. Don't get hung up on the fact that Jesus probably wasn't really born during that season. In chapter 2 of Luke, verse 8, we see that the shepherds make their trip to Bethlehem. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the angels said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, as it was told unto them. In this passage we see that an angel makes an appearance to some shepherds about the birth of the Messiah. Joseph and Mary have stayed on in Bethlehem after the birth of the baby. That's where the shepherds find them. Since they planned to dedicate Jesus at the temple, heading back to Nazareth would have not made very much sense. Bethlehem was only about eight miles from the temple in Jerusalem. In verse 11, the angel makes a very significant declaration about Jesus to the shepherds. He says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. We see in that verse that actually he's only a few days old when this is uh, proclaimed, but he's proclaimed there to be Savior, Messiah, and Lord. Now the Greek word for Messiah is Christos. It comes from the Old Testament Hebrew word Mashiach. And that word means Messiah, or the Anointed One. The Lord, of course, is the title for rulers. And keep in mind, he's only a few days old when the angel makes this proclamation. Now we find the trip to the temple after Jesus' birth in Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed him, and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. 
And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise to the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Every male child was circumcised on the eighth day, and so was Jesus. We see that in verse 21. It's not stated here that the circumcision actually took place at the temple. Verse 22, though, does take place at the temple on the occasion of Mary's purification 33 days later, according to Leviticus chapter 12, verse 8. And if she be not able to bring a lamb, then shall she bring two turtles or two young pigeons, the one for the burnt offering and the other for a sin offering, and the priest shall make an atonement for her, and she shall be clean. Now, it should be noted that people of financial means sacrificed a lamb, but obviously Joseph and Mary were not people of financial means. They likely would have stayed around Jerusalem for these two trips to the temple over the first six weeks after the birth of Jesus. Verse 23 states the essence of Exodus chapter 13 verse 12 when it says, That thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix, and every firstling cometh of a beast which thou hast. The males shall be the Lord's. A man named Simeon had been promised by God that he would live to see the Messiah. He blesses Jesus while making reference to Isaiah chapter 49 verse 6 which says, And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. In doing so, he was proclaiming Jesus to be that prophesied Messiah. Mary can't be overly happy with the whole prophecy, though, when in verse 34 he proclaims concerning Jesus, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Well, then a prophetess, an old lady named Anna, who had been fasting and praying, she was at the temple and made a similar prophecy over Jesus. All in all, it was a great temple day. Now we move over to Matthew chapter 2 and find out some details about Herod the Great, who was one mean king. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent unto Bethlehem, and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And they were come into the house. They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasure, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and all the coast thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted because they are not. And when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. But Jesus was born in Bethlehem, about five miles southwest of Jerusalem. The Herod of this chapter was Herod the Great. He died in 4 BC, as stated earlier. That's why the dating typically found in Bible shows Jesus to have been born in 4 BC. This happens to be an oversight by a monk mathematician in the 6th century AD named Dionysius Exegus. He was charged with redoing the calendar by the Pope. Up until that time, the calendar that the Romans used counted the years from the founding of Rome. The Pope wanted a new calendar to count the years from the birth of Jesus Christ instead. However, in doing so, Dionysius Exodus failed to take at least two events into account. The first was the death of Herod. It's obvious from this passage that Herod was alive at the birth of Jesus Christ. The second oversight was his failure to insert a year zero. His computations went from year 1 B.C. to the next year being 1 A.D. In other words, he skipped a year. Some mathematician he was. These two significant, obvious oversights by Dionysius Exodus cause us to place the birth of Christ at somewhere before 4 B.C. Kind of ironic, huh? So who were these wise men of verse 1? The Greek word used for wise men is a transliteration of the Hebrew word mag. That was the word for a soothsayer or magician. You'll recall that this is the prestigious group of which David became a member back in the Babylonian Empire. He saved their necks when they couldn't help Nebuchadnezzar themselves with the interpretation of his dream. I say that to point out that these magi were men who were regarded to have supernatural knowledge back home. I can't vouch for their overall wiseness, but they surely could follow a star. Herod was in a panic. He brings in the experts on such matters, the scribes and the chief priests. In verse 6, they point him to Micah chapter 5, verse 2, 
and proclaim it's Bethlehem. But wait, there's more. Micah, in that very same verse, Micah 5.2, proclaims that the child Jesus is to become the governor of the land. Herod must have thought, hey, well, that's my job. Herod takes on a battle against God himself after that knowledge. In the fact of overwhelming evidence from the Magi and then the local temple experts that the Messiah had been born, he makes his lame attempt to put a stop to it by murdering all the babies under the age of two. We deduct from this that the wise men probably did not appear immediately after the birth of Christ. But go ahead and keep the baby Jesus in the manger scene anyway. It's what we've always done, and besides that, it's a really, really nice look. Now, I suppose it's possible that they did see the infant Jesus, and it just took Herod a couple of years to realize that he'd been double-crossed by the Magi. Well, probably not. But now notice what it does say when they found the young child. They entered into the house where he was. God told Joseph to head for Egypt for safety from Herod after that event, and they did. They did not return to Israel until Herod's death in verse 22. Joseph was still leery of moving back to Bethlehem so close to Jerusalem where Herod's boy was on the throne. So he moved about 75 miles north of Jerusalem to Nazareth, Mary and Joseph's hometown. Now some points of prophetic fulfillment are noted by Matthew here. First of all, Matthew quotes from Hosea chapter 11 verse 1 and from that declares the prophetic necessity of the trip to Egypt with the baby Jesus as a fulfillment of Hosea's prophecy. Secondly, the slaying of the children. We are told by Matthew was a fulfillment of Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 15. The childhood of Jesus is seen beginning with verse 39 of Luke chapter 2. And when they had performed all these things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and man. There's not much contained in the Bible about the childhood of Jesus, but we do have this account. The family headed down to Jerusalem every year for the Passover. As a matter of fact, it's always called when you're going to Jerusalem, up to Jerusalem. But geographically, it was down. 
it was a considerable journey of 75 miles or so. We see in verse 44 that they traveled in a company of fellow travelers to and from. This incident takes place when Jesus is 12 years old. After they leave, Jesus stays behind in the temple to learn from the doctors. That's the Greek word didaskalos, which means master teacher. They didn't realize for a day or so that he was not with the company headed back to Nazareth. Have you ever forgotten your child? We inadvertently left our daughter, Julie, at church one time when she was four or so. I thought she was with my wife, and Evelyn thought she was with me. It's a very unsettling experience. And we see in this passage that it was unsettling for Mary and Joseph also. And they spent the next three days searching for Jesus. Mary catches a glimpse of reality when Jesus has found and proclaims his reason for staying back where he says in Luke chapter 2, verse 49, And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? Mary remembered these words. This concludes our podcast for today. I am Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walter.